Welcome to Vinyasa in Verse, the podcast where we connect mind, body, and spirit through poetry and practice. I'm Leslie Ann Hobayan. Together, we'll explore different ways of connecting with our innermost selves and how to tap into the flow of the universe. Because once that happens, anything is possible. Your best life starts now. All right. Hello, loves. Welcome to another episode of Vinyasa in Verse. How are you on this beautiful day? Um, Today, I have a very special guest with me. She is a woman who is based in Seattle. I met her actually a little over a year ago, uh, late January and February of last year. And and we are connected through um, Lola Pickett's course, Empathology, which you guys have heard me talk about. But Um, So Allegra here is um, an empath, but she's also very connected with spirit, with different practices of connecting with our inner selves. Um, She practices kundalini and she does a lot of healing work um, based from her own experiences of how she healed her um, various blocks, we'll say, um, towards uncovering those layers and becoming who she is now, which is a beautiful, more authentic version of um, a self that I believe was constructed like we all are constructed according to society's expectations. So I want to welcome to the show, Miss Allegra West. Yay! Thank you so much for joining me on my show today. Um, Yeah, it's so great to see you. Yeah, thank you for having me and for inviting me. I'm honored to be here with you. Yeah, I can't wait to see what unfolds. Now, for those of you listening, um, Allegra is also a poet, though she won't tell anybody that. So <laughs> that's also why she's on the show. So we'll see what happens and we'll see what unfolds. Um, to start the episode, we'll go through the roulette of poetry in this book, The Gift, which are poems by Hafiz. And today's poem called <laughs> The Bag Lady. <laughs> we'll see what this one's about. All right, The Bag Lady. I am the bag lady in every city. I have a spot on every street. My sacks are full of holiness. So I have, so I have come to pedal to touch your feet. I give myself to myself on rare occasions because I am so very shy. Hafiz, the monarchs of this world are but slaves to thee since the beloved took his seat in your eye. I am the bag lady in every city. I am playing divine music in every world. My sacks are full of holiness. I am asking, may I please bow to you? Hmm. So what stands out for you in this poem? Is there an image or a message? What are you feeling? You know, it's that that was beautiful. It's it's interesting because here in Seattle, we have um, one of the biggest homeless crises of anywhere in the country. Mm. Uh, And it just made me think there there really is, um, there's a bag lady everywhere I've ever lived. (laughs) And I've only lived here in Seattle for a few years, but there's such a beautiful humanity, um, especially when you go down into the areas where these people are, aside from the drug issues and things like that, there's something so pure and vulnerable, even when you get into the areas of, of mental health, you know, and I think it's so interesting to me when I think about mental health as a whole, um, my aunt actually works with insane, hard, um, people who, who suffer from large amounts of psychosis and the untreatable cases in an, in, um, inpatient treatment program in Idaho. Um, and it's really interesting to hear her talk about it because, the, it, it really brings up this question of what is sanity? What mm-hmm. is, what is, and what is reality? You know, we, 
we all have different views of reality. You know, your reality is different from mine and what we see and observe, even in the same situations. And, you know, who's to say, especially as we start experimenting with, you know, 5D consciousness and different planes of existence, ayahuasca, all of those different medicines um, that are out there and, and different states of meditation that you can get into with transcendental meditation and things like that. We have these experiences of, of past lives, of all of that, you know, woo kind of stuff where we start crossing into the realms of what most people would consider not reality, right? right. <laughs> and yet as you become more spiritually awakened, suddenly these things that were crazy before now seem completely normal or if not normal you know it's the I've reached a higher plane you know it's it's this is my progress on my spiritual journey now that I'm being what by society standards or psychotherapist standards is completely nuts right <laughs> right now I'm distinguished in my spiritual journey and yet we have all of these people on the streets who by all rights are probably experiencing the exact same thing and we cast them down and society is crazy. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. It's interesting because that you mentioned that because I wonder about like these people who are classified as insane and are, are relegated to a, a container. Right. Um, it's like, do they have the keys to the universe? <laughs> you know, like they're the ones who need to be released and let out and like show us the way kind of thing. I mean, I don't know if that's true of everybody, but it just makes you, it makes you question, um, you know, what you said earlier is like, what is reality? Everyone experiences the world differently. Um, but I love how you are able to see the humanity in the, the quintessential bag lady, you know, to come back to the poem, um, and to, to look past, the state of their physical existence and to see that there is a soul there, that there is someone who is experiencing, you know, whatever they're experiencing, experiencing homelessness, experiencing, you know, different levels of mental health. Um, and so I, I love how that, how you bring that into the conversation um, because in the poem, I mean, what Hafiz is talking about sound, sounds crazy. Right. I mean, talking about the beloved taking a seat in his eye and 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 a bag lady wanting to carry these sacks of holiness. It's like, what what planet is this is this person on? You know, and I know that these these are poems that are that are considered, you know, divinations and, and sacred. But um, but it just goes back to. What, who are we to decide what's real and what's not real, what's truth and what's not truth? Um, so I just wanted to have you maybe explore and expand a little bit on what you start to say about these different views of reality, because you you started to, to move into the woo talk, you know, which some people, some people are like, oh, here's the crazy people with the tarot cards. You know, I'm one of them. <laughs> but I know that in in um, connecting with you over a year ago and and witnessing your growth and your evolution, um, that you are reaching to other tools to tap into different planes. So I wanted to hear a little bit more of, you know, how these tools are coming into your life and how you're using them and what you're finding with them. Oh. That feels like two different questions. Which one to answer first? <laughs> yeah, I just ask them all, and then I say, you pick one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think, you know, there's definitely been, um, in my journey in particular, a lot of, I've been questioning what is the reality that I want to accept and embrace um, in this, this concept that we can create our own reality uh, as I've, worked in this self-development area, it's become so clear to me how that's completely true. One of the first experiences that I had in my life um, that 
I didn't realize it at the time, but now looking back on it from this place of like, okay, I'm going to consciously create my reality by choosing to, you know, what am I focusing on? Who do I allow into my life? All of those different ways that we create our reality and say, no, I choose not to believe that. Um, which as, as a scientist coming from that scientific background is really hard. It's like, no, fact is fact. <laughs> You don't get to just choose what you want to believe. You can't just decide that, you know, chocolate gravity doesn't exist. Right, right. Gravity. I have decided that wine is a health food. Oh, there you go. <laughs> I'm going to drink it all. Right. Like you don't get to just do that. And so I've been really playing with this line of like, okay, what is that difference of, you know, of what is the sane line in saying, I choose to believe this, but not that you know, in, in creating my world around me. Um, and one of the ways that I, I guess the story I was getting into is I realized when I was in, in high school, this is one of those like backwards looking of like, holy moly, my reality was so different from other people's just because my perceptions were what they were at that time. You know, I had been raised, um, I wasn't sheltered. I don't think by, well, by a lot of people's standards. I grew up in a small town in the middle of nowhere. Um, and when I went to high school, I, I got out of the, the regular schools and I went into a Catholic high school, which in the town that I was in just meant that it's where all of the rich white people went to school um, for the most part. It was just the, the farmers who had money. Um, and it, I never saw the drug problem there. It was something where, you know, basically what it just meant is like, if you went to the public school, everybody just did a lot of weed. But if you went to the private school, they had money for the good drugs. Yes. <laughs> so the there were, yeah, there was apparently a lot of cocaine and, you know, stuff like that happening in the bathrooms. And I never saw it. And it wasn't until, you know, I want to say was a while ago now but it was it was more than 10 years after high school I was visiting home and hanging out with a friend who had been a really good friend of mine in high school and he turns to me and he goes what do you mean I was coked out for like all of junior and senior year how did you not know that (laughs) and I was like what you were on coke for two years and I had and we were really good friends talking all the time. And I had no idea. To me, he was just, you know, a little energetic and kind of stupid. <laughs> just, you know, didn't always react the best way. But I'm like, he's, he's weird, whatever. Right. You know? And so it was, that was kind of a shock to me in, in realizing that my reality of what this school was like and my experience with people and my friends was completely different than his and I had you know obviously later there's kind of this sense of betrayal of like we were best friends and you never thought to tell me this huge part of your life you never thought to offer me any (laughs) 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 but you know it's one of those things where it's like that that's I've never been offered drugs and I'm like I, you know, people I talk to, they've been offered, they're like, yeah, I just walk down the street and people offer me drugs. Nobody ever offers me drugs, right? And I'm so, there's a small amount of offense. I'm like, what? Why doesn't anybody ever offer me like free weed or free things? It's legal here. So, but still it was, that was an experience of realizing how different my reality is, even walking down the street, even through high school with a close friend of, it just didn't filter into my perceptions. I wasn't, looking for it per se and so I just never saw it yeah yeah you know and so coming into this now of like okay as I'm consciously creating my reality as I'm trying to create a life of abundance as I'm you know creating this higher vibe space around me of just deciding what is possible in creating my business in finding abundance in my life um it's looking at all right So if we lived in such completely separate realities in that sense, what can I do now to choose what's around me that Mm -hmm. isn't going to get me hurt? (laughs) There is some sense of danger when we choose like, oh, you know, I don't believe my neighbor is crazy or like that guy on the corner is whatever, right? Like there's a chance that you're wrong and you should probably 
keep your front door locked. Right. <laughs> right. Right. Well, I mean, I can't help but think about this idea of like choosing a reality and choosing that COVID-19 doesn't exist. Um, yeah, I don't think that's the choice of reality that we're talking about. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, but that calls into question that line, that that discernment of I want to create my reality, right? And and the science part of it, it say says that there is a virus, there is a pandemic happening. Um, and it's not about choosing to say that that doesn't exist. It's choosing, all right, you have this information. Now, what are you going to create around you in response to that? Yeah, I know in my life, it has been really sitting in the, the knowledge that worrying isn't helping anything because it's not staying in the now, you know, yeah. it's, and, and that for me has come back to taking proper precautions, you know, wearing a mask, <laughs> using Clorox wipes and stuff on everything that comes into my house. And at the same time, I'm not sitting here consuming all of the news about it, reading about it, worrying and stressing because, you know, I think I have, I have a lovely post-it note right here next to my desk that says fear is false emotions appearing real. And then anytime we're in fear, fear is a disconnect with the present moment. Love that. I love that. (laughs) As I'm like, unless you're actually, you know, there is a lion stalking you in whatever sense, physically about to jump on you and harm you. Fear is a disconnect with the present moment. And, you know, I can hear people being like, COVID is the lion stalking me. It's about to jump out and get me. <laughs> right. If you, if you stay home, no, it's not. <laughs> right. Exactly. Just choose to stay home. <laughs> yeah. But how does this, so how does this choosing the reality that you're creating around you, how are you, how are you doing that? Um, because to to a lot of listeners, they might just be like, oh, so it's that easy. I could just choose. I can't choose. Like people are are steeped in their conditioned thinking. So, you know, what are you doing to create the environment, the reality that is very different from how you grew up, very different from the foundations of the conditioning that you had in you now? I mean, now you've gotten all of this growth what are you doing differently? Yeah, it's it's so much easier to list things from the other side than, you know, if I had listening to myself a couple of years ago, I'd be like, it's a whole bunch of, you know, just like pontification about stuff that's not real. But um, I think the really big thing for me has been being willing to let go, truly let go of the things that aren't serving me. Mm. Um, and engaging in a constant conversation with myself about what that really is. Um, I know for me, my my reflective practice, whether for me, it's meditation um, and journaling. Mm. You know, it doesn't. It, and I will say, actually, I'm not all that great at meditating. <laughs> I tend to fall asleep. <laughs> but more, more importantly, is the sitting reflectively with myself, you know, actually sitting down. I read a lot of, I consume a lot of social media content. And at the same time, the social media content that I'm consuming is in this vein of where I want to be going. It's that, mm-hmm. it's the, the self-help things that are stimulating my brain to say, is that true? Is that the reality that I want? Uh, you know, um, and, and then deciding what I'm going to do about that, you know, so I follow a lot of people like the holistic psychologist and um, young Pueblo. (laughs) He's awesome. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Which is, and you know, that really creates this space around me of growth and light because when I open, you know, say my Instagram or my Facebook, um, I'm seeing people who are asking stimulating questions about how to grow as a human being, about what to choose of your reality. And then I'm, I'm thinking about it, even while I'm scrolling, while I'm reading the beautiful captions that go with it that cause you to stop and look internally, right? It's not mindless scrolling so much as it is really 
engaging. It's like literally going to Instagram is tuning into myself rather than mm. tuning out. Um, and to be fair, there are times when it is tuning out, but for the most part, it is it is a process of tuning in when I go there because the people who I follow are posting thought provoking things like you and you know your your empath posts and and all of the things that you post. They're very thought provoking. Um, and so that's a big practice of mine to create this reality around me is like when I go on my social media, I don't see the bad news and the stuff about COVID and all of those things. I see things that get me thinking about my inner world and the reality I want to create. Yeah. And I think that's really important because that's a, that's a terrific example of being intentional in how you're creating a reality because a lot of people they you know they they put down on social media like oh social media is so bad for you blah 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 blah. but forgetting that we have the power to curate that we have the power to decide all right what am I gonna actually put on my newsfeed you know who am I gonna follow and what reality am I gonna create um and it's just funny to me how I mean not not funny haha like more just because I used to be this way where we forget that we have inner power and that we have choices. Um, so how do you remind yourself of that? Like, how do you keep it going? <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's like all the things I just <laughs> said in terms of like the meditation is really a big one. You know, I, the, you the know, work you through that you said that you felt you fall asleep during meditation. I want to ask you, how do you know you just didn't dive deep? Because I wake up hours later. <laughs> oh. <laughs> all right, all right. I'll, I'll give you that one. Yeah. Um, and there is there is something to be said. I, You know, and that is that is on the woo side of things. I've been asking, you know, my guide spirit, all of that, to help me discover things while I'm sleeping. Because I've come to the terms with the fact that I'm not able to stay awake as often, especially in my, my evening, nighttime meditations as I want to. And I'm like, just... Just give me all the messages while I'm sleeping. Help me remember them in the morning. This is fine. <laughs> right, right. This is my mode. <laughs> it's honestly working really well. I've been having crazy dreams that are, um, you know, from a dream interpretation perspective and getting into the psychology of it. I'm like, ah, yes, I can see, you know, childhood patterns and beliefs and damages and things like that. Then I'm like, okay cool. Um, and actually my traditional therapist is really amazing at dream interpretation. Um, but that's a whole nother topic. <laughs> no, that's so great. That's so great. I mean, that's another example of you, uh, tapping into the, the other realms, you know, beyond the physical, beyond the ego. Yeah. Well, you know, and, and this is where my, um, my nerdy science side hits into the woo side of things. And I'm like, it's all perfectly explainable using science and our knowledge of psychology and the brain and the way the brain works and stuff. Um, and at the same time, I can just flip the words I'm using and it can be completely esoteric. <laughs> you know, it's like, so you're right at that, at that, at that liminal space between the two worlds. It really is. Yeah. It's like, okay, I know how to explain this with all of the various, like, these are the things that were happening from a neurological perspective, from a therapeutic perspective, just in terms of like, you know, in, in psychoanalysis of dreams, everything that happens in the dream is, is a representation of yourself. Mm. Right. And yeah. so, you know, even though you are having a conversation with another person, be it like a mother, your family member, things like that, it, those are aspects of, of self. And so, you know, if you look at it that way, it's like, okay, so for example, on a personal side, I had a dream about this chihuahua and it was like trying to come into my room and I didn't want it in my room and I was so angry and frustrated. I'm like throwing it out. And I accidentally, I was like, I was putting it outside my room and it got so scared that it froze and peed all over the place. And then I felt awful. And I was just like, oh, my gosh, you're another living being. And I scared you so bad that you, like, lost control of yourself. And, you know, when it comes back to it, it's looking at, okay, what characteristics and traits does a chihuahua represent to me? And what about those, you know, traits am I not accepting in myself? Mm. Right. Is it that that scrappy, feisty, like, <laughs> you know, and it, obviously I don't feel like that's an okay way to be. Right. And so looking at it, it's like, oh, 
wow, okay. So while on the surface I woke up, I was like, did I seriously just have a dream about a chihuahua? What the heck? (laughs) (laughs) Yes, you did. I did, and I'm just like, that was so bizarre, and it was like, it was in my childhood room, and it was just like, okay, this was crazy, but it was so weird, and it had, it happened just after I was like, give me dreams that are obvious that I can interpret, I was like, all right, this is weird, I'm writing it all down, we're gonna figure out what this means, and get the wisdom out of it, Um, so yeah, it's been really interesting to see the way different things that I never would have expected have shown up in this journey that helped me. You know, that was a call to me to say, okay, let's dive deeper into this and come to terms with some of the parts of myself that I haven't been accepting that didn't feel okay. Look at that belief of like, is it, you know, does it make me a bad person if I'm scrappy, if I'm aggressive, if I'm feisty, right? It's like, are these traits that I believe are are not good in myself? And so diving into that and really getting honest about how I feel about it and either accepting it and loving it or deciding to try and change it, right? And so, yeah, it's it's fascinating the way all of these different things can show up on the journey to just yeah. keep you keep you conscious, you know? And that takes us back around to your actual question. It's like, how am I staying conscious of creating this reality? And it really is... Um, it's just a constant dedication to becoming the best person I can be. And that means just every single day or at least multiple times a week, just becoming aware of what I'm doing and bringing that mindfulness into my space and saying, what am I spending my time on right now? Where am I putting my attention? You know, and I personally am not, um, I'm healing the need to like always have a goal, always be pushing, always be driving. And so I don't have hard and fast goals set around like by 30 days from now, I'm going to have, you know, right whatever, money or status or whatever. These yeah, it's, I don't have goals in that sense. My goals tend to be a little bit more nebulous and like, am I doing better than yesterday? Mm. You know? Am I doing better than yesterday? Am I being the person who I want to be? And if I'm not, what steps can I take to be a little bit better about it? Or how can I love myself for being that person who I am right now? That's that's a really important question to ask every day. And I think that's something that, that a lot of people can use as a beginning tool to really investigate who they're being. Because we put a lot of pressure on ourselves, especially those who are like really invested in like self-development work that it's, it's, there's these goals of, you know, I want to reach enlightenment by the time I'm 50 or whatever it is, you know, like, because we live in such a, such a concrete goal oriented capitalist culture that the idea of gradual evolution of being in the present moment feels so um, sort of like in, not only intangible, but sort of like, I don't know, wimpy, you know, like, it's like <laughs> on, the American way is to be like hard and fast with these lofty goals or whatever. So I think that question of am I being am I a better person today than I was yesterday, not only invites the opportunity for even more growth, but to to really be present in today in the now. Right. Um and I really love that. And I think I'm going to have to take that question and like tape it on my computer and just be like, am I being a better person today? So so what happens when, let's say you ask that question today, you get up and, you're, and you're going through your day and you ask that question and it's, and it's running through your mind and then you see yourself falling into old habits or old patterns and you're and you notice it, right? Because your awareness is is on. Um, then what do you do? <laughs> You know, the thing is, is if you notice it in that moment, that's the excitement. That's when I get super excited because it's like, yes, I'm actually, because when you notice something, especially if you notice it that day, that is a shift, right? Because before we never would have known, we didn't notice until later, until we were feeling bad and until things had turned out some certain way, right? Mm -hmm. And so noticing it is the work. And so for me, when I notice, I'm like, this is an opportunity. I'm super excited, you know, and it's a celebration of the fact that I've brought enough mindfulness into my life 
to be mm-hmm. able to notice right then. Cause I know it's, it's so easy to like go into a shame spiral and, you yeah. know, start beating ourselves up. Cause it's like, Oh man, I snapped at my kid and I meant to not do that. Right. Yeah. But noticing it and then being able to apologize, to make amends, to do whatever and choosing to do something different is that's the exciting part. You know, I think it's hard because there's, it's kind of like there's a plate, you know, it, it, we're at a buffet and there's different things. It's like, step one, am I being a better person than I am, you know, today than I was yesterday? A lot of times the answer is yes, I'm being more aware. I can see this. I'm working on it. It's not perfect, but it's coming along. I, you know, I stayed in the present moment or I brought myself back to it quickly. But a lot of times, you know, sometimes that answer is no, you know, and it's, and then not shaming ourselves for that and, and allowing it to be is so important. You know, I'll say I definitely, that sounds so easy and it's not. <laughs> like that is so hard. <laughs> so like, hard. I just came out of a period of almost a month where I, I just couldn't. You know, it was I. I knew that I wasn't doing the things that I needed to do to be successful. I knew that I wasn't, you know, digging in, and I kept trying. And through trying to force myself to be better every single day, I was actually keeping myself stuck because that pressure and that kind of low-key shame that was coming into the picture was making it so that I just didn't have the energy to get started on the next level of healing that I knew I needed to do. And so, you know, honestly, what it took was allowing myself to really revel in the not doing, you know, I got, I I picked up my favorite book and I just curled up on the couch and I spent days just reading my book and really letting that be okay. And just, you know, I started writing affirmations um, in the mornings and that was it. That was the sum total of my practice that was good for me. You know, I ate cookies. (laughs) I read my book, I didn't answer emails that I needed to answer, and I just let myself be in that space, and I I indulged it, um, and I loved on myself of just being like, it's okay, you're doing a lot of healing, you're on the right track, you're not going to let yourself fall back into who you used to be, you're not going to let those things happen, and because those fears of like, oh my god, I'm not doing it, I'm not being the person I want to be, I'm going to be you know, it's, it's subconscious. It was never a conscious thought of like, I'm going to be a horrible person. I'm going to go back to how I was and it's, I'm going to get sick again and it's going to be awful. Right. But that was the, the drip of fear in the back of my mind. And it caused me to be just exhausted. And I just felt pressurized in this way that I just couldn't get started. And so allowing the cookies and the reading and the sleeping in and all of those things and, and affirming that, I am safe, I am conscious, I am taking care of myself, I am not going to let myself be that person again, was really what unlocked the key to being able to step forward again, you know, Mm -hmm. and re-engage. And, you know, I woke up one morning here a couple of days ago and just felt like, you know, I was unfettered. And suddenly I was like, yes, okay. So good. I can breathe and now I can step into this work. I'm ready to step into this work. Yeah, and yeah. it's just, it's such an important phase to let ourselves go through sometimes, right? It's like all of the diets in the world talk about having a cheat day, but it is so important in your mental health, your emotional health, like every way in which you're trying to improve yourself. It's so important to just let you be and say, hey, today I'm good and I love myself and this is awesome and look how far I've come. And you know what? Letting myself do this isn't the end of the world. Yeah, yeah. I mean, but it, you know, as you were talking, it's more, it's like honoring this ebb and flow of energy, right? And and if we're gonna turn it to science for a second and thinking about the nervous system, I mean, we've got two systems, the parasympathetic nervous system and the sympathetic nervous system. And if you just like go, go, go all the time with the sympathetic nervous system, the parasympathetic nervous system's like, dude, like we need to rest, we need to digest. We need to integrate. And then when they're, when that balance is off, 
we get sick, you know, everything shuts down. So, so in that sense, it's like, we can do all this inner work, all this deep, you know, work, but if we don't take a break from it by just being, then we're going to burn out or, you know, stay stuck. And, um, it's not going to be good for anybody. <laughs> but I think that's really great that that you're sharing that because I know that, um, you know, over the past several weeks, I want to say you've gone dark. <laughs> I have. <laughs> you know, on social media. I was like, where is Allegra? <laughs> but um, but I knew that you were you were doing your thing. You were you were getting quiet and you were doing what you needed to do. Um, and I think a lot of us don't realize how necessary that that kind of work is and that it is work and work is such a loaded word um that it it often implies that we need to be doing when work can just be being yeah oh that's beautiful yeah that's one of the that was actually the really big topic that i was um pausing to engage with this last week is looking at um how much i was letting the need to be doing in order to be working and defining myself as working was really clouding my ability to actually create, which, Mm. you know, work is truly, you know, in its essence, work is creating something into the world. Like that's the whole purpose is to either create or transmute something into another thing that is, you know, even on a, a basic physics level work, the definition is that it's changing something. Mm-hmm. And so by trying to force myself to do, I was completely blocking that feminine creativity aspect of it. I was, And I was just completely out of balance. And so stepping in and looking, you know, speaking of creating my reality, one of the beliefs that I choose to, um, to choose that I choose to believe is that work, it doesn't have to be hard. It doesn't Mm. have to be difficult. You know, it can come from a place of ease and flow. It can be something that I enjoy and that I love. You know, it doesn't have to be torture. We have this social construct that work is miserable. Um, And that's right if you're not miserable. (laughs) Yeah, it's, it's not good. And so, you know, that for me has been one of the tenets of um, creating my business. Sorry, I'm looking for my card here because my business card has the um, the the poem and the excerpt from The Prophet by mm. Khalil Grabir, um called that says work is love made visible. Mm. And I don't know. If, are you familiar with that one with the whole passage? No, not the whole passage. Just that oh, phrase. Gosh, it is absolutely gorgeous. Let me see if I can pull it out right here because I wish I'd thought to get that out sooner. Um, okay. I do have it. I have uh-huh. it. It's literally on my business card right here. So I'll just read it. It says, speak to us of work. And he answered saying, you work that you may keep pace with the earth and the soul of the earth. Always you have been told that work is a curse and labor a misfortune. But I say to you that when you work, you fulfill a part of Earth's furthest dream. And in keeping yourself with labor, you are in truth loving life. And to love life through labor is to be intimate with life's most inmost secret. Work is love made visible. And if you cannot work with love, but only with distaste, it is better that you should leave your work and sit at the gate of the temple and take alms of those who work with joy. Mm. Oh, that is so, God, I have to read that whole thing again. (laughs) That's so on point. That's totally the thing that we need to continue to like keep visible in front of us is, is that this idea of work is not be miserable in an, in an office with no windows, <laughs> you know, <laughs> Hey, I, I work today. <laughs> grumble, grumble, grumble. <laughs> right. It's like, it, you know, for me, that's been such a journey and, you know, creating the, the company that I have of trying to help people get to that place where we understand that work 
in its fundamental form is meant to help us express love into the world. We're meant to be creating and creation should only come from love, from joy, from that expression of our truest selves into existence. And so when we approach the idea of work with like, oh, it's the grind, it's just something I have to do, it's, you know, it's a survival mechanism. It's not meant to be a survival mechanism. Right. Um, I, you know, really sitting in that and and forcing ourselves as a society to come back around and say, we can do everything with joy, right? You know, organizing your office can be something that you can do lovingly and joyfully. They always talk about like, you know, you should meditate while you fold your clothes or do your dishes. It's a beautiful spiritual practice. Um, and work is the exact same way. Work is a spiritual practice. And I think it's, you know, obviously it that's really hard to recondition in our minds. And I'm still working on it every day. There, new beliefs pop up that I didn't even realize I had when I'm suddenly, yeah. you know, going to do some task or something. And then I realize how I'm feeling about it. And I'm like, wait a minute, what is this? <laughs> this yeah, is the layers go deep. It's <laughs> like, <laughs> that's. That's not love made visible. All right, we need to shift this and figure out another way to look at it. Yeah. But I think that's something that's so important in that creation of reality of being, um, at least for me, the person who I want to be that allows me to, you know, stay in that higher vibrational space more often is really transmuting all of the work that I do in my life into love and figuring out how to make that a reality. And if I realize that it's not becoming a reality, changing what I'm doing, you know, and I think that's yeah. the biggest part for, for all of us is you have to choose your spiritual journey is, you know, and, and that's, and that's to say, can you find love and happiness in anything, anywhere at any time? Yes, absolutely. Mm -hmm. And, you know, your journey might be to figure out how to be happy in the job that you're already in, figure out how to be happy or content in the marriage that you're already in, or, <laughs> you know, changing it, changing it, waking up and realizing I'm not happy in this. This isn't serving either of us, be it a relationship, an employer, whatever it is, and getting out of it and seeking the thing that truly does bring you joy. You know, for me, most of my journey has been realizing that I created a life that wasn't what I wanted. Mm. Um, and I'm fortunate and blessed enough that I, you know, have the capacity to change that. I believe everybody on the planet has the capacity to change that. But for some people, they feel like they can't leave wherever they are. And yeah. so, then, you know, you have to, if you feel chained in that way, then you have to figure out how to release yourself from those chains within your situation. You either just have to break the chains or you have to figure out how and leave or figure out how to make the chains go away so that you love to be in that situation. And I think, you know, that's, that's where so much spiritual advice doesn't, um, it doesn't allow for that other option of figuring out how to be happy where you already are. You yeah. Know? Yeah. And a lot of the wording around that is so disempowering. Yeah. And it's, it's shaming and guilting, right? It's like, you made this choice, you have to stay with it forever. Right. 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 <laughs> it's like, uh, really? Really? Like, it's like you made your bed and you got to lie in it forever. It's like, no, yeah. doesn't have to be forever. Um, yeah. Well, you know, you said something about um, working, you know, and I was thinking as you were talking about, like, the situation that people are in during this pandemic where a lot of people are unemployed. A lot of people don't have work. And so here's an, an opportunity, an invitation to figure out what does work look like for them now? because that job has been taken away from them, you know, that whatever they were doing, 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 what, I don't know, what can that work look like now if it's, if it's to be this manifestation of love? Yeah, I think, you know, that's, that's one of those things where it's, it's so hard to overcome all of the emotions that come with, especially, 
being out of work, right? That implies that it was taken away from you without your control, without your desire, right? right. There's right. there's one thing, like, for me, I quit my job in order to turn in, turn, you know, turn inside and re-examine what work meant to me and what, um, what I love to do and what lit me up and all of those things. I, I took the time intentionally to discover that. And, you know, that getting to that point from feeling like you've had control ripped out of your hands is really difficult, right? Mm -hmm. I, I have a friend who, who was furloughed um, and then subsequently took the severance package. And there was a lot of anger for her. She couldn't get to the point where she was able to look at this as the opportunity to start the business she'd always wanted to start and to really invest in those things until she had surfaced that she had been feeling angry and unloved in this, how dare they tell me that I'm not worthy? You know, they kept other people in my office and they didn't choose me that, you know, my ego is, is hurt and I'm offended yeah. and I feel, you know, like you've told me that I don't have value and I don't have worth or mm. that I'm less than those people. Um, yeah. And really, you know, coming into her own power and spiritual practice of realizing that it did not speak to her actual personal self-worth, that it did not speak to her value as a human being on this planet. And taking her power back into saying, you know, I am whole, I am powerful, and I am worthy, and I am valuable, whether or not that job that I hated, by the way, you know, she hated that job. She didn't yeah. want that job. She was talking about quitting it every other day. And the moment that it got ripped away from her, then she was pissed. Right? Yeah. It's like, how dare you take this away right, from right. me? I want to choose that. <laughs> you can't fire me. I quit. Right. <laughs> right. But it's so funny, the the loops that we get caught in when our ego is, is harmed and when we feel like we're giving somebody else the power to to, to tell us whether or not we're okay, whether or not we're good, whether or not we're valuable. Um, and so I think coming back into that space of for all of the people, and this is where people get, <laughs> tend to get really angry, is like having this ripped away from us, being forced to stay home is such an opportunity to go inside, to look at this and say, what so what do I love for work? And is my work currently being love made visible? And if not, now I have an opportunity to find a place or a way or a new job or whatever that is that expresses that, you know, I would imagine for a lot of people that comes back to being something completely different than they were doing before, which is a whole nother big scary road. Trust me, I know. Yeah. <laughs> Having just changed my whole career path from corporate America into the coaching space. Um, and at the same time, it could just be finding a company that aligns better with your values, where you're a better fit, where, you know, I know even before I loved what I did, but loving what you do and having to do it in an environment that isn't healthy, that isn't supportive of you, it it makes a really big difference. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's funny because because as, as you're talking and you're given like the, the pep talk, go out and do your you know, Dharma, <laughs> you know, go find the job that you're meant to do. I can hear like people being like, but I got a mortgage to pay and I got kids to feed. And, you know, what are you talking about, lady? Because I'm going to grab whatever first job I get, you know, because I need the health care and all this other things. So it, it, it ties in with the fear that you mentioned earlier. It ties in with this lack of self-trust and, and, you know, in being able to have the resources within ourselves to provide whatever we need to provide. Um, and it's easier, of course, to sit here and, and say that stuff, you know, but it's a different thing to be on that journey. Um, so for anyone who's pissed off at us, <laughs> we're just talking as invitations for you to like take a closer look. You know, it, it's funny that you say that because it's, um, that was a big, I, I struggled with that a lot, especially when I chose to, to leave my job, to go on this journey of exploration. Um, it hadn't, I had intended it just to be a two month sabbatical. I did not intend to quit my job when I started. Um, <laughs> but, 
that's what happened. Um, but you know, right after I did everyone and it was just, it was really hard because all of the people around me were being very loving and supportive and they showed it by hitting all of my biggest fears and stress points. How are you going to support yourself? How are you going to pay your mortgage? This is so brave of you. How do you intend to, you know, keep the a roof over your head? Yeah. How do you intend to keep feeding your dogs and yourself? And I was just like, this is great. Um, I don't know. I don't have the answer to that. I'm leaning into trust in the universe. And it mm. sounded crazy. Um <laughs> It really sounded crazy. It felt crazy, too, because I had never leaned into that faith and trust in that way before. Mm -hmm. uh, and at the same time, I eventually I got to the point where I was doing it and I was in this like constant low grade stress, lack state mentality of like, oh, my God, oh, my God, how am I going to pay the mortgage? How am I going to pay the mortgage? I don't you know, I literally am. $200 short of the auto payment that's about to come out for my mortgage in three days. What am I going to do? Right. And I was just in this vibration of, of stress the whole time. And it was paralyzing me from actually being able to step into all of the things I needed to do to change that and turn it around. Mm. Um, you know, and it, that's coming into the whole law of attraction and personal vibration of like, as long as you're in this fear and lack mentality, the abundance is not going to flow into your life. And I, I realized that I was like, okay, Allegra, things aren't turning up and they're not turning up because you're so frantically trying to make them happen. And so I, I got really freaking real with myself and I sat down and said, how committed are you to this goal? And the answer was like, I can't go back. I can't go back to that corporate job that was killing me. I can't mm. do it. And so it's like, all right, what are you willing to sacrifice? And I sat down for a meditation session and I was like, what is the absolute possible worst thing that could happen? You know, and it's, I can't pay my mortgage and I lose my house. And, you know, I was like, you know what? I love to travel. And I'm like, I got a car. It's, big enough it'll fit my dogs and me in the back seat you know and then there's also the part of like okay I have to sell my house it's not like I have zero equity in my house there's equity in there right it's like so I'm gonna come out of this with however many thousands of dollars and I have a car that it's luckily my car is paid for you know so it's like I've got a car I it'll fit me I have all my camping gear because Lord knows I have so much stuff in this house and I'll make a lot of money selling all the stuff in my house. And, <laughs> you know, I got down to it. I like, I went all the way down to how much money would I have and where would I go? And, you know, there were so many, luckily for me, like there are so many places of like places where, you know, my, my parents or my aunt or a cousin of people who would take me in before I ended up homeless on the street. And I have a house with a mortgage. I have equity in my house. I wasn't going to be left penniless, right? Mm -hmm. And so getting down to this really knowing what my options were and saying, you have options. You're not going to be penniless on the street. There are a lot of barriers between you and being homeless. <laughs> and there are like 5 million things that have to go wrong before you're going to get all the way to being completely destitute. And, you know, not being able to care for the beings in your life that you promised you were going to care for. So take a chill pill. <laughs> like, don't be stressed about it. You're fine. It's going to be okay. And once I embraced that understanding and that really root chakra level of primal fear went away and I was able to get rid of that, then stuff started flowing in my life and I was able to create and, you know, money came in from places I wasn't expecting. Blessings have come in from all over the place. People started signing up for things in my business and it all worked out. But I had to get to the point where I stepped out of fear and into pure faith and trust that I was going to take it day by day. It wasn't like I was going to you know, be here today and homeless tomorrow. There was a lot of time in between. Right. And fear is a disconnect from the present moment. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. And as each present moment shifts, there were a lot of opportunities between here and there to make other decisions if I chose I wanted to. And, yeah. you know, getting really real in that was what helped me step into the place. And I can say on the other side that abundance flows in when you're not operating from that place of fear and lack. But it, yeah. it, it can take getting really freaking creative to figure out what it what you need to get out of that fear and lack space. Yeah. And I think that that's a big thing that's happening right now. Right. I mean, while the initial um, level of panic, anxiety and fear has diminished a little bit in terms of the pandemic and, and being quarantined, it's still there where people are like, when are we going to go back to work? You know, when am I going to start earning a paycheck? Blah, 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 all these things. And and so maybe now is a good time to really lean into those fears because it's not as new. It's not as fresh as it was, you know, like eight, nine weeks ago. Um, and so it, it'd be interesting for listeners to try that and see what, what might come up because, you know, in, in our conversation, you gave many examples of trying too hard of trying to force something. And, and more often than not, that would just put up roadblocks that would just stifle the flow of energy that, you know, was coming your way. Um, and so it's really about taking a step back from that fear and just looking at it, you know, and really saying, all right, you're here. What can we do with you? You know, and it's not, and, and you know, a lot of people think in, in spiritual circles, spiritual talk that, you know, the object is to get rid of fear, but you're never rid of it. It's more like, can you just be friends with it? <laughs> I don't know what the answer is. My answer changes every day. But. <laughs> yeah, I think especially there are a lot of places and ways where you can transmute it into something useful, you know, and it, it no longer feels like fear or it no longer is fear. And at the same time, there are places where, you know, especially you know, human design is one of the things I've been studying a lot. And it talks about that, that root sacral chakra a little bit differently from the way that we tend to be familiar with it. It actually identifies that root chakra as the source of stress slash fuel. And what it's talking about is that that energy is really a, it's pressure to force you to do something. It is stress in the sense of pressure to say, I want to be better. I'm going to get out of bed in the morning. I need to feed myself. It's the pressure and stress of survival. Yeah. And, and also the pressure, pressure and stress of needing, wanting, desiring to be better, you know, and that can go into an ego and willpower sense of, of, you know, wanting to be the best at something but it can also just go into wanting to be your best person wanting to have your spiritual journey whatever that is but i think you know there is something to be said of looking at that fear and taking ourselves out of our sympathetic nervous system while we're experiencing it and turning it into and saying this is just motivation and drive to be the person who i want to be rather than terror for my survival. <laughs> right, right, rather than paralysis. Yeah, like, you know, there is the getting real of being like, am I actually going to die? You know what? If I lo lost everything, I got a, like, five-year-old laptop here. It works. My car's paid for. My laptop's paid for. I can live in my car and go camping. I love to camp, and I can just sit in coffee shops during the day, start my online business, camp the rest of the time <laughs> and I would be fine. Let's be yeah, honest. Yeah, yeah. I don't have kids that obviously changes things, but um, you know, there are levels of that reality for everyone of what would be okay. Yeah. Yeah. You yeah. Know? In panic, we just jump to the end. We don't see the steps that get to the end. We just jump to the, the end conclusion of what we think it's going to be. <laughs> And, and like, whoa, 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 let's take a step back and let's really, really look at it. Um, and, in, and in an honest way, too. Um, but, yeah, it's a really important reminder to think about fear as fuel, if harnessed in a way that is useful, rather than the paralysis. Um, and that's sort of what I meant by, like, being friends with it. It's like using that fear to get you into action like not necessarily the doing 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 but to actually like have some kind of forward momentum yeah 
I think, you know, and this is where we get into that space of language being so important. Mm. Um, And the way that we use words and perceive words and everybody has a different way. For me, I, I, when I still think of something as fear, it puts me into a disempowered state. Mm. And so I, you know, I, I try and think of transmuting that energy of fear because fear is really, it's a pressure. It's a pressure to run away from something, to run towards something and attack it, right? That fight flight, um, kind of response is like, okay, how can I take this pressure and direct it? and take it out of being fear and into action and motion in a way that's healthy. Um, and so for me, it's just that that language trick in my head of, of transmuting it. The actual energy of it probably hasn't, it's still that same vibration of like, oh, I need to do something. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, but in my mind, I'm transmuting it into something helpful and out of that paralysis you know that freeze response and into that fight or flight of some sort yeah 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 and that that kind of goes back to the the views of reality and the choices that we can make because we can choose to just stay in that freeze in that paralysis or we can choose to do something with it um so many good things I'm I, I feel like our conversation needed to be like a slideshow, like where we have like charts and because <laughs> I, I see in my mind's eye, a lot of things are tying together and circling back. And it's just really, um, it's just really great. And it all started with the bag lady. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. One of the things that came up into my mind that has been so big recently is um, that video. I know that Lola had posted really spoke to it of when we tell our children that they can be anything and Mm. yet we betray that in our daily lives by settling for something that was not our dream that is not making us happy you know and it's that leading by example truly and you know for me it's like I've thought of along this journey of like okay if I had kids would I still choose to make these choices would I be you know would I be feeling like I was forced to stay in something I hated because for the kids sake. And I, I, I really loved what Emily or sorry, Lola had to say in that was looking at, okay, how, how detrimental is it to my child to have this lie over that sense of, of security, right? right. This, the lie of not being able to truly be who you are, is that more, you know, what's more important to you? Right. And, right. and how many layers do you have between being destitute? Hey, you know what? Me as a kid, if my parents had taken me into the forest to live there for a while, I would have been really happy with it. I would have been so excited. And if on the other side of that, I hadn't had a 30-year journey of rediscovering who I was and, you know, being incredibly unhealthy along the way and almost dying, like, you know, maybe some of that time of having that less luxurious lifestyle would have been worth it. Wasn't my journey, <laughs> yeah. but you know, there is something to be said when I look at it. I'm like, man, I I don't know that I could continue staying in that space and staying stuck when I realize how impactful it was to watch my parents stay stuck, to watch them continue to not be true to who they needed to be. And, you know, just thinking of how much I would have sacrificed in my own life to not have had to make this journey as an adult. Yeah. 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 It's a lot. It's a lot of stuff. I yeah. hope one can digest this. <laughs> <laughs> this is really heavy. It but. is. It is. Have a cup of tea while you're listening. I should say that at the beginning of the show. <laughs> right. Go back. Uh. Um, do you have a poem you would like to share with us? Do I know you said you brought two, so I don't know if you feel pulled towards one over the other or if it's going to be a roulette situation. I do. I will actually, I had one here from, um, the book called Salt by Naraya Wahid, which is always lovely. Have you read her at all? I have read her. I haven't read that book. Oh. All right, I might have to read both because this one, this one does hit really closely with your, um, this one is called Swim. You will drown if you do not have boundaries. 
they are not optional. This structure counts on your inability to say no, mean no. They take no from our first breath. Go back and return it to your mouth, your heart, your light. Mm, that's so good. <laughs> so good. Oh my God, so important. Yeah. I just, I, I opened the book to that page when I was looking for one earlier and I was like, oh, well then, there it is. There we go. <laughs> it's divine timing. <laughs> so, the other one I have is actually one that I wrote. Yeah. Uh, so I will, I will share this one. I had meant to do my first out loud poetry reading um, at an open poetry night at a coffee shop here in Seattle. And the uh, stay at home went into effect like two days before it happened. So oh it is time right. for this poetry to see the light of day. <laughs> All right. Uh, so Big it's called year debut. The Bluebird of Happiness. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, the Bluebird of Happiness lives within our hearts, waiting for us to uncage it. Sit still and listen now. Can you hear it singing? Sweet, soft notes whispered on a heartstring's breeze, waiting to see if you will listen to the echo's resounding melody. Rather than get caught up in the sound of streetcars and expectations, letting the music fade away. The bluebird awakens every morning and sings to us all day. Sit still and listen now. Can you hear it singing? Sweet, soft notes whispered on a heartstring's breeze, waiting to see if you will listen to the echo's resounding melody, ready to get caught up in the heartfelt joy that is our soul's true song. Listen to the sweet vibrations of music calling. Let the bars of negativity melt away. Breathe deep the sound of bluebirds singing. Exhale a lifting wind beneath its wings. Let bluebirds soar within you now, the joy of goddesses and kings. Oh, yes. oh my God, thank you for sharing that. Oh, that was so beautiful. I could feel my own little bluebird in me when you were reading it. I was like, <laughs> Uh, such goodness. Well, Allegra, thank you so much for sharing your time with me. Um, we talked about a lot of good, deep things. <laughs> we did. Uh, I love it. I love it. I love this stuff. And I, I hope our list, my listeners do too. <laughs> we started with a deep poem, though. The Bag yeah, Lady, that's the a big one. <laughs> <laughs> but I really appreciate you for sharing your story, for sharing your view, for sharing your way of approaching reality and creating it. I think that's really important. Um, so thank you so much. And for sharing your poem. It was beautiful. I appreciate you. And thank you so much for coming. Um, and to close out the episode, I will say the divine light in me bows to the divine light in you. Namaste. Until next time. Living in quarantine has likely gotten us complacent about the state of our bodies. When's the last time you really moved your body with full awareness? This Sunday, I'm kicking off a four-week online vinyasa yoga series called Flow Flow Baby, where we will loosen the stiffness, get back some strength, and open up the flow of life back into our bodies. Join me for an hour that includes a mini dharma talk and pranayama and asana practices for the next four Sundays, 8 a.m. Eastern Time. Visit suryagiyan.com slash flowflowbaby to register. Come back to your body. Come back to yourself. Your best life starts now.